Hey, I'm Dan. And I'm Zach. And we are... Fiery Friends, and this, this is episode 64. 64, here we are, Dan. How are you doing? This is We haven't had an episode in a while. It's been over a week, but we are here, and it's, it's good. It's exciting. We're doing our last scripture episode of the season. How do you feel? Ooh, this is a big one. It is a this big is one. This is a doozy. It's literally a gospel. We're going into Jesus. We're today. digging into the life of Jesus. It's been, I like talking about Jesus. I do too. Honestly, like before I started rereading this like last week, I was just like, you know, Jesus is really cool. But then I reread it and I was like, well, my gosh, he's even cooler than I thought. And it was just so exciting to just just have that childlike faith reawaken. That's part of Mark. It talks about childlike faith. It's good. It's back. I'm feeling that childlike faith. Rising up in me again, because we were just reading about Jesus this week. So good. Yes, Dan. But, you know, it wouldn't be an episode of Scripture Summaries without without a wonderful new little Cole. It's our 21st guest star, Sydney. Sydney. Hey. (laughs) How are you doing, Sydney? Um, I'm doing good. Well, I've got my little setup here. Yeah. Like two Bibles, my little notebook. I'm all ready prepared. to go. I know. I'm getting all set up. Yeah, I was ready. gonna say like <laughs> you. It was funny because like the first time like we hung out a couple months ago and like mm-hmm. we went to was it Mari's writing group? Was that the only time we hung out? I think so. <laughs> that, but that was a good time. It was a good time. And when we went there on the car ride, you were just naturally telling me about your favorite book of the Bible. Which is Mark. Mark. (laughs) And I was just like, wow, we needed a guest star for Mark. This is just like, the stars have aligned to create this beautiful moment to have you on the show and to talk about this book. But why is Mark your favorite book of the Bible? Tell Um, me about it. Mark is actually the first book in the Bible that I read. And then that's why I brought like my breakthrough Bible and like my actual Bible. But this is like my brother's Bible. He gave it to me. He was like, I think you should read this. And then I mentioned the reading plan. Mark is the first one in there. So I opened it up to Mark. And that's the first book I've ever read in the Bible. So it's really important to me and just where I started. So I like talking about Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Excited to talk about it. It's honestly like such a good foundational book because it's like a gospel, mm-hmm. but it's also like the first one. So it, or it's like not the first one, the shortest one. Matthew's the first one, but well, actually, it was also like most people think Mark was actually written before Matthew, but then since it's shorter, like they put it second for some reason. I don't know why they put the books in the order they did in the Bible, but but because it's it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but because it's short, it's like easy to digest, and it's great to do a Bible study on. Like me and Dan, a couple years back, we led this Bible study called the Leaving a Mark Bible Study, where we taught people how to leave their mark in life based on how Jesus left his mark in the book of Mark. And it was just like incredible because it was all about Mark puns. And we love puns here on Fiery Friends. Oh, yes. So that was great. And I really love Mark. It's one of the best of the Gospels. Dan, what, what is your experience with Mark in life? Ooh, let's see. I always have trouble telling the Gospels apart. This one time, I read all the way through them, back to back to back to back. Yes. And it took like 12 hours. Not the best decision. And then I read more after that. But you know, they all sounded the same to me in that moment. They're all kind of similar. And Mark is the same as the other ones, but different. The same, but different. And you guys know why Mark is different. Mark is just, he's a special guy. I know about Matthew. I know about Matthew. Yeah, he was the tax he's kind of an odd dude who's a tax collector. Yeah. That the Chosen portrays as this... Kind of outcast, 
Yeah. But he seems like a pretty decent guy. But Mark was just kind of like, you know, running the mill. Yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing about Mark is, because some people, like, they have this common misconception that, like, oh, the Gospels, they were all written by Jesus' disciples. Well, actually, wrong. Only two of them were Matthew and John. Mm-hmm. But Mark and Luke were not disciples. Luke was, I think, I think he was, like, a friend of Paul or something. And then John Mark, who wrote Mark, like, actually, fun fact, the guy who wrote Mark, his name wasn't even Mark. It was John Mark. <laughs> but, but they already had John. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they already had John, so they were like, we're going to name this one after your second name, Mark. So, but yeah, it was John Mark wrote the book of Mark, and he was actually a friend of Peter. So most people think that Mark's gospel is actually, like, the closest thing that we have to, like, a perspective from Peter's point of view. And it's funny because, like, there's a lot of times, like, within the book of Mark where, like, in other in other gospels like it'll say more about like peter doing dumb things but you can see in mark that like he'll like specifically like just be like oh yeah like he'll like skip over the parts where peter did something dumb because like peter was his friend so like he still talks about a few of peter's dumb things but it's funny because like a few of the stories like he'll like leave out a little detail about something mm-hmm. peter did that like it shows up in a different gospel oh yeah so it's just, like, those little things are really fun to notice, like, as you, like, compare the Gospels against each other. But, yeah, so John Mark was a friend of Peter. He wrote the book um, probably between 55 and 65 AD is when it was written. And then, yeah, we all kind of just shared our past experiences with Mark. Um, so, yeah, so what we're going to do for this one is the Gospel is very long, and we could probably preach an entire podcast sermon on every single chapter because it's the Gospel. (laughs) And because we don't have infinitely forever, and because these episodes are supposed to be a summary, um, (laughs) we're going to do something that we haven't done in a while on Fiery Friends, and we're going to bring back the Rule of Sevens. We love that. Because on this show, we love the number seven. We love breaking things down into perfect groups of seven. And so... Today, what we're going to do is each one of us, me and Sydney and Dan, are going to share with you our top seven takeaways from the book of Mark in any order that we want. We're just going to share any seven things. So it's going to be exciting. Me and Sydney both have pages of notes of all the things, and Dan has his brain where he's going to pull out seven things. And I always love the spontaneity of Dan's brain. It makes the show interesting. So, <laughs> so Dan, do you spontaneously want to start us off? Is there something about Mark that's really itching at you? Yes. I, I don't know. My One of my top seven favorite things about Mark <laughs> is the way that it just... It starts with a sprint, basically. So all the other Gospels, they, they start in their own way, but Mark just like starts off and we're like, we're going into Jesus' life right now. They're just like, boom, the son was here, and he was baptized. And then the dove came down, and he was sent out to the wilderness. <laughs> wilderness. Some people think that he was sent off, not to the wilderness per se, but to a quiet time with the Lord. Yeah. The desolate secret place. And that also sounds really cool. But I just love how it starts off and he's like, I'm not messing around. He's like a pro scripture summary guy. But then he does 15 more chapters after that. So, you know, there's more to talk about. Yeah. But I think it's cool how Mark gets straight to the heart of it. He gets right to the point. And he's like, okay. He's got the hook. Like, if you're writing a research paper, I, I know that. I see a lot of kids write research papers. I'm like, haha, I don't have to do that anymore. But if you're writing a research paper, <clears throat> You start with the hook, and you want to be intrigued, 
and then you put your thesis, and then the bodies that you can skim over, and then you get to the end, the conclusion. And I feel like he does that really well, because he just starts off with, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Like, who would not want to read that? <laughs> yeah, and then he straight a, a quotes Isaiah, which is what everyone else does in their second sentence of anything. They're like, <laughs> Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines blah, blah, blah as da, 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 da. Now, you're intrigued, right? No, Mark goes, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. And then it pops on into John, which is interesting because Mark is the one telling the story, and he's like, I'm just going to talk about John the Beloved. John but he doesn't call him the Beloved because he's, he's not in the book of John. <laughs> That's true, yeah. In the book of John, John loves to talk about himself. Yeah, he's like, I'm the best one, right? The one that Jesus loved, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No, but... <laughs> for, for Mark, I just I think it's really cool that he just, like, he jumps in. He goes straight for, this is about Jesus. This is a gospel, and I'm going to show you what that looks like. We're going to quote from something you've already heard about in Isaiah, and then show you what it looks like for the Son of God to realize he's the Son of God and go and be put to the test. Yeah. Which is very, like, if you if you showed this to someone who's not a believer yet, it's pretty cool. Because it's like, okay, this is about Jesus. It, it like, it lays it out for you mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. And that's it's how, really simple. That's how I was when I started. I was and like, it worked oh, out really well, yeah. yeah. I was like, everyone always starts in John, but I like that you started in Mark City. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, that's super interesting. And then just thinking about it, I was like, I understand. Yeah. Because yeah. it just starts off with like, hey, this is about Jesus. This is a gospel. This is what a gospel is. And this is what happened in Jesus now. We're going to say more things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think that it is really, like, that's one of the first things I noticed reading Mark is, like, in the first chapter, they cover, like, like they, they completely skip the birth. Like, Matthew and Luke, like, spend, like, two chapters or three chapters on the birth each, and then it's just, mm -hmm. like, and Mark, he's just, like, yeah, forget about it. Like, he's, he's here. We don't have to talk about him being born. And he's just, like, and then, like, in the first chapter, they're done with the baptism. They're done with the temptation. Like, those both get their whole own chapter in Matthew, too. So, like... Mark's just like very straight into the point and he just like is clearly like he's focusing on something different than like those other gospels are focusing on because like they want to go more into the details of Jesus's early life but Mark is I think trying to really focus more on his ministry it almost seems like um and more on who Jesus is and I think that's really well like communicated so quickly and like to the point it's like really well done so I love it mm -hmm. That is a good starting point. Dan, that's your good first of your seven. Thank you. So who should go next? We gotta go like a clock. How does the clock go? That way. <laughs> is it me? Okay, <laughs> Sydney's me up next. next. Um, so what I did for my notes is I picked out like verses that stood out to me. Yeah. So is that... That okay? That's perfect. Yeah, right. no, honestly, like that's <laughs> you where... You like a summary in the beginning. That's where like a lot of my highlights are too, is, okay. is, is like... Best verses and chapters. And Don't that. worry, I'm gonna do a verse for number two. Oh, Dan's <laughs> okay. already. He's ready to go. Dang, he's hyped. All right. So the first one that stood out to me is chapter one, verse is seven and eight. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And mm. then the, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I feel like that just gets the gist of what John was doing, like John the Baptist, and then like setting the way for you know you guys think i'm so great but guess who's gonna come like he's gonna be even more amazing than you can even think about so that's what i pointed out first so. yeah 
that's kind of I, I mine are really short I have a lot of notes but I just did them really short no honestly so, yeah. honestly the like the, you, that is exactly what we need on this show okay Summer. I'm very straightforward and I think that's why I like Mark too is like it gets to the point and that's how honestly, I am like I get to the point I don't like to go, yes. go around it so yeah that was the first thing that stood out to me so I guess I'll if you want to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so kind of going on the same thing, I actually have chapter one, verse eight, and my first point too, or one of my points. I'm going to go in a random order. I have like, I have 11 points, but I'm like trying to condense them into seven. So if you guys take my points, I'll delete some of them. But, like, <laughs> but except for this one. <laughs> anyways, this one, this one is um, about the Holy Spirit though, because I think like it, it kind of goes on that same idea of chapter one and what Sydney was talking about in verse or chapter one, verse eight, how Jesus is going to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and like invite us into like that relationship with him. And then I also really like chapter one, verse 12, because this is like right before Jesus is about to get tempted. And it says that the Holy Spirit or the spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. And I think that's like something that's super powerful is to see that like the Holy Spirit is the one who led Jesus into this place um, where he was tempted. And like, that's kind of insane because like people like, they whenever you're facing temptation in life like sometimes you can be like oh like the enemy everywhere the enemy 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 but like jesus was literally led into like this time of trial by the holy spirit and it shows that like the holy spirit like sometimes will like lead us into hard things and i think that's like kind of the idea that really jumped out at me um there and then like it also comes up again kind of similarly in chapter 4 verses 26 to 20 or 26 to 34 and like the two parable the parables Parables, that jesus is telling and he's telling these two parables about um how god is doing stuff that isn't like that seems kind of crazy and doesn't always make sense like this parable like really stood out to me this time because i never really noticed it before but in 426, it says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground night and day while he's awake or asleep. The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. Um, first, the leaf blade pushes through them. The heads of wheat are formed and finally the grain ripens and blah, blah, blah. But basically, like the idea of it is that um, is that these seeds are being produced underground and nobody knows what's happening and Mm. and that's kind of similar to like how the holy spirit will like lead us into times of trial and temptation in life it's like we'll be facing these like really hard things that we don't understand what's happening or what's going on but like um but like the holy spirit is working beneath the surface and so you see that in the parable of the growing seed and you see that in even jesus being led to the wilderness it doesn't seem to make sense like why would the holy spirit want him to go do this but like and like a lot of times in our lives like we might feel like the Holy Spirit's telling us to do something that doesn't make any sense. But like if we follow in obedience and we just trust him, then we can see crazy things happen. And like the following chapter, the, the last, the second parable that follows that is the parable of the mustard seed where it talks about with faith as big as a mustard seed, you can do great things. Like there was like some song that we sang in Lutheran school about mm. it. But like, but like, but yeah, like, you know, like you can do good things if you have faith like a mustard seed. The mustard seeds are like the smallest seeds of all seeds in the entire so world. Teeny, but tiny. they like create like the biggest trees ever. And so in the same way, like if you have faith in God and you follow him and you follow the Holy Spirit's lead, even into like those crazy things that don't seem like they make any sense, like, um, then you might be surprised what God can do. So, yeah. So all of that point encapsulated is basically just about the Holy Spirit and how he helps us grow. So 
I love how Mark brings that to the surface and just makes it tangible. It's like, mm. That's my first point. The tangibility of the growth of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it incredible how he helps us grow? It's like so good. So good. All right, Dan, what's your number two? Point number two comes out of chapter four also. It's a good chapter. Verse one. Preface. Jesus is an excellent showman. He's also just a genius with spacing, and he would be really great as a drama teacher or as a director for anything I mean, in life. I mean, he's perfect, sure he so would. he'd be the best at all of the things. All the things. But I think it's really cool how he uses staging and how he has different ways of showing people, I don't know, just like being in certain places and it like has a point and a reason. So verse 1 is, again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So the point is that, like, he has a stage. Yeah. He grabs a boat, and he sits in it out on the sea, so people can't get to him because they probably don't go on and get wet and, like, swim out to him. So he gets, like, a nice space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is a wise man. He doesn't want people all, like, crowded up on him. And he's like, I'm going to be able to talk to everybody, and my voice will carry really well. Because when you talk across the water, for some reason, your own voice just feels really loud. Yeah, I think that's like science or something. It's, yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> so Jesus knows about like a natural megaphone and about a good a spacing. And if people were walking by and saw a crowd of people and do it out on the water, I'd be like, okay, I'm intrigued. True. And like the setting, like he's just walking around on the beach, and the beach is where everyone is like going to work and doing all this stuff. So like the beach was a really huge. Uh, kind of, it feels like the mall these days probably because people go to yeah. work there and they also just kind of go to lounge around and do whatever. Yeah. So the beach is a very the, common area. The yeah. mall, of the Bible. Yeah. The so beach. it's kind of like he it's gets so up, gets up on a table at the mall, like a bunch of tables away. Yeah. And has his own space and his own stage. And I know it's not the most important thing in the world, but I think it's really cool that he like he put thought into it and he's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. Re- he could be anywhere. He'd be in the town, <laughs> at the square, mm-hmm. on top of a building in a rose bush I don't know but he chose to go mm-hmm. walk by the beach and get on a boat and preach from there and it's kind of foreshadowing because he ends up having to be in the boat all the time for a bunch of different things and a bunch of miracles happen through boats true and it's just super interesting so I, I love how he has a good stage yeah he definitely sets himself up well mm-hmm. to be heard and, and especially because like in the like in those times, like you know, it's it's crazy to think that Jesus didn't have a mic. Like whenever you go to like a Christian concert, there's always a guy with a microphone. You know, like how do they? How do you even get heard without a microphone? Like just yeah, to think about of that. Thousands of people. Like, yeah. I need the microphone right now because I'm so quiet. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's crazy to me that like to think about preaching mass gatherings before microphones existed. Like, because <laughs> like we're just so used to them, and like Jesus was like. The best thing besides a microphone is the water. So I'm going to go and stand by the water. <laughs> and it was just like, I'm like, wow, Jesus, you are good. You know what you're talking about. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Sydney, what's your second takeaway from the book of Mark? Um, a lot of mine are from like the beginning here. Yeah. That's like where a lot of the stuff is. Yeah. So There's going a lot back of good to chapter one. It's um, a really good chapter. Yeah, it really is. That's like a lot of my highlights right there. Um, chapter 1, verse 41. So I have 
I really just like that it stood out. What stood out to me was that he was filled with compassion. He was talking about the man with I don't know how to say it, leprosy. Leprosy, yeah. Leprosy, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's like asking him to get clean, and he's just filled with this compassion. And he's like, if you're willing to, like you can touch me, and I'll be clean. And he says, just I am willing, and I love that. He's the filled with the compassion, and the I am willing is really what stood out to me in that verse. Like he's just he's willing to help us become clean and become like these better people. And to heal us, I, the filled with the com- compassion really just, that one gets me. Because like, I try to think about the last time I was filled with compassion mm-hmm. and like what was happening in that situation. Like I work with kids too, so anytime like a little kid like bumps their knee or like something, I'm like, oh, like what happened? I like get filled with this compassion. I'm like, are oh. you okay? Yeah, you just And like they come up and you're like, yeah, you want to like heal them. It's them. like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh. So, and I feel like that's how he feels with us. Like we're like his like little kids and he just wants to hold us us and like he loves us so much and he's willing to help us get better and i love that so that's really cool the other one how his compassion just shines through in that yeah i love that too man i know i'm trying to like skip through some of my stuff dude yeah not a whole bunch but it's so so good i love it i love it that is awesome sydney thank you i love the compassion of jesus and you know what else I love? Chapter 5. <laughs> because chapter 5 tells all about the compassion of Jesus in two mm-hmm. of my favorite stories. I think of all... I, I was like... Okay, so I've read both of the stories in chapter 5 a lot before in my life. But like, mm-hmm. as I was going through this like time reading, Mark, I realized they were both in the same chapter. Like, I never processed that in my head before. I was like... These are like two of my favorite Bible stories of all time, and they're both in the same chapter. I was mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> so yeah, Mark 5 is now one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Oh. It's not better than Romans 8, but it's close. Ooh, Romans 8 is pretty fire. <laughs> but, um, but um, so here's why I like both of these two stories, right? So in chapter 5, Jesus is doing the story where he heals a demon-possessed man. And one of the mm-hmm. coolest things about this story that I heard preached once is that this actually happens after like jesus was or what dan was talking about how you know jesus was on the lake preaching and then he sails across the lake and calms the storm which that's like a whole other story but then when he gets to the other side he ends up um coming to the other side and it i heard it preached once that like jesus basically like came all the way to the other side of this thing just to like to heal this man because it says as soon as he heals this man he leaves again (laughs) so like basically like he was all like, so gung-ho, like, we gotta go, we gotta go to the other side of this lake just to meet this one demon-possessed guy and leave. And, like, it's it's so cool to me how Jesus, like, had that heart where he was just, like, there's one super demon-possessed guy on the other side of the water, but, like, for one guy, it's worth it to go across the water mm-hmm. and to heal him. And, um, and then, like, my other favorite part of that story is at the end of chapter 5, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. And I really think that's like a really powerful thing, too, because I think sometimes when the Lord works in our lives and moves in our life in a mighty way, like we just want to like follow God into like something radical. Like we're just like, I just want to do something crazy for you, God. Now You are amazing. I just want to give my whole life for you. And then he's like, ah, man, just love the people in your hometown. And then maybe later you can come with me. And I'm just like, 
you know, I think it was just this this particular scripture really has hit me in different seasons because I'm the kind of person that's like a go getter personality where it's like I will have these like really cool encounters with Jesus and I'm like God, okay, where are you gonna take me? And then there's been seasons in my life where He's taken me really crazy places, but there's also been seasons where He's been like, uh, just stay home for a while, like you know, hang out with your hometown people and like mm-hmm. and just like you know testify to what i've done in your life with the people that are where you're at right now and like maybe eventually like you'll get to come on a crazy adventure with me but like right now i need you to stay where you are and like and it's cool how in this specific situation this man he wants to go with jesus to the crazy next thing but jesus is telling him like no i want you to stay here and so that that's amazing and crazy and incredible (laughs) um but the other thing about chapter five is the second story which is also amazing and, and crazy, crazy and, and incredible. incredible. <laughs> and in the second story, Jesus is literally like, he heals two people. Um, but I love these stories, not because of the healings, but because of the number 12. <laughs> and this seems really bizarre, but like, I had, I was leading a Bible study on this chapter once, like way back. It was at like the Fox River Sanctuary in Waukesha, in the beautiful nature. And I had this epiphany, right? Because in this story, Jesus, he heals two people. And the first person he heals is this woman who's bleeding in the crowd. And it says that she suffered for 12 years with this constant bleeding. like, And then she touches Jesus and gets healed. And it's like super cool to see how her faith heals her. And actually in our Bible character podcast, I used my superpower to save the bleeding woman because she's an underrated character of scripture that more people need to appreciate. So shout out to you, bleeding woman. I will always stand <laughs> you until the end of time. But anyways, I stand the bleeding woman. But but the cool thing is that she was bleeding for 12 years, right? And the second person that gets healed in the story is this guy's daughter who was 12 years old and then she gets healed. And so I was like, in my head, I was like, whoa. So it's kind of like parallel, right? Because like Jesus, he takes like 12 years of death out of this woman and then he puts it into this other girl and gives her 12 years of life when she comes back to life. And I feel like it's just like this cool picture of how Jesus is like the person who he can take away bad things and then he can also like impart good things. And you see both of them and like that he takes away the 12 years of bleeding from this woman mm. in just like a single touch. And then he also is able to give 12 years of life to this girl who died, like just from telling her to wake up. And so. It's just so crazy. Like, both of those two stories are some of my favorites in the entire Bible. So, that's my second thing is the entirety of chapter five. <laughs> so, read it. It's a good chapter. Mm-hmm. And appreciate the number 12 because it's a good number. <laughs> All right, Dan, what you got? Yes. <laughs> Love chapters. Love numbers of chapters. <laughs> I like Mark chapter six. I'm a Ooh. chapter six kind of guy. Mm. Not like a six six, but maybe like a like a six seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe six eight. Okay. So Jesus is out here, and he's sending out his disciples, and he's like, "Okay." He's a strategist. He knows how to make plays. Yeah. Not only is Jesus a great director and a great mm. set the scenery kind of guy, he's also an amazing coach. Mm-hmm. Like rather, it's football or baseball or any kind of coaching, life coaching, Jesus is the best one. So he, he calls the 12 and sends them out two by two, mm-hmm. which is a great play, because yeah. he's sounded all 12 to one spot, and only one dude gets hit with the gospel, and he's terrified, because there's 12 dudes coming at him, and they're like, gonna beat him up or something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But two people is nice, yeah. two people is coming. Sometimes one-on-one is like, oh, I don't know what to talk about. But if you have two people, it's like, oh, strike up a conversation, bring mm-hmm. them into it. So he's a genius, like that concept wasn't a thing before, and we do it all the time now. And this is where it started. 
to send him out two by two. Except for I guess it's gonna going back to yeah. like where the ark, where the Lord had them the like, animals two of every kind. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, that was more for logistic reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Because you couldn't really fit more than two. And you gotta have uh, them yeah, able to reproduce when they get back. Yep, you need reproducible animals so they don't yes. die off. But yeah, no, I just think it's super cool. They send them out two by two, and then the thing that's really crazy is he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts. They don't even have a bag. They yeah. have the clothes on their back, and they're sent off for I don't even know how long, and it's just they rely completely on the graciousness and love of the people in the town. And if the town people don't love on them, then they shake off the dust and they move on from there as a testimony against them, which feels like super harsh. Yeah. It's like, oh, this town wasn't receiving of me. <laughs> shake the dust off in the town. But it's true. Like, if, if the town wasn't open to receiving people that the Lord sent sharing good news, then they don't have open hearts. But yeah, I just think it's really bold that he's like, okay, go. Bring nothing with you, not even a hobo bag or whatever. Yeah. Like, people would be terrified to just show up with nothing. Right. But also, it's really freeing and relieving, because like, there's, like, this whole call to simplicity these days where you don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you feel unprepared without stuff if you're going somewhere. Even, like, the yeah. Barasantos. He's like, don't even take the Barasantos. No bag. No money. Nothing. You're like, dude, how are we going to eat? So every, every meal, they're like, I don't know what we're going to do, man. Mm-hmm. So they're relying completely on faith, which is really empowering. And yeah. that's super bold. That's my thought. Yeah, that's such a good thought. Like honestly, like, I agree about like that. I, I have that highlighted in mind too. Just like the idea that he told him to take nothing at all. That's that's insane to me. Like, and I I love that because that's like that's like what I want to do. Like I was telling Dan, yeah, your heart. <laughs> I was telling Dan the other day. I was like, Dan, I just want to become homeless for Jesus. But like, <laughs> like when I read it in the Bible, I'm just like, yes, that sounds amazing. But like, obviously, you have to be called. And like, you know, in this specific situation, he was just sending out the twelve. And like in a different place in the scriptures, he sends out seventy-two in the same way, of two by two, um, to cast out, just to, just to you know, to be obedient and stuff. But but yeah, like that really, it's so cool how they are able to just walk with nothing and just trust God to lead them. Like that's incredible. So love it, Dan. Sydney, what's your number three? Well, you, I, I'm gonna jump ahead to chapter nine. I was yeah, gonna yeah. go Send back it. to yeah. chapter. We're just two. jumping. I'm gonna do some jumping back and yeah. forth too. So. Um, because you reminded me of something else that I was thinking about. It's chapter 9 verses 23 to 24 um so it says everything is possible for him who believes immediately the boy's father exclaimed i do believe help me overcome my unbelief and i think that's something that i kind of struggle with like i have this strong faith and i have this strong belief but then sometimes there's that little bit of anxiety that's like but are you sure like is it really gonna work out and then yeah. i start like questioning things i think that's mm-hmm. something that everybody goes through too like you really gotta try to be like all right no it'll work out it'll work out but then exactly. you you say like the faith i was like oh that reminds me of chapter nine the thing that i want to talk about so yeah. just having like the strong faith and really believing that everything is going to work out in the way that's supposed to work out mm-hmm. like i believe that everything happens for a reason like yeah. nothing like, God's not going to give you anything that you can't handle. Right. So, all these obstacles that you have to try to overcome, like, you need to have this strong faith and a strong belief that it's going to work out. So, I just love that. I love that. Wow. Yeah. 
that's my number three. <laughs> I, I, I really love that one, too. Like, like one specific thing I love about that verse of I do believe that helped me overcome my unbelief is, like, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because, like, they, like they, it exists... Like, his belief and his unbelief exist in the same space. And I think that, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we can feel like, oh, like... Like, like if we're, like, doubting, we can feel it so far away from God. Right. But, like, it's it's a natural part of our walk with him to have both at the same time to like have faith and to have doubt and and it's like it's almost like reassuring that it's like you know having doubt doesn't mean there's something wrong with you because i think like especially in like hyper religious circles like you can get to a place where there's like people who are like if you're doubting like you're not a real Christian, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's just like no, actually, like doubting is like it's a like, thing it's that part of it's it. part of being a real Christian, um, and and you see that with this man who mm-hmm. he very much like he he has faith, but he also has doubt, and they exist yeah, together. Yeah, it's weird that like they're like the parallel next to each other too, where you're like, all right, like I do believe, but also I'm like, oh, yeah, like, right, and it's natural to have a little yeah, bit of both. Like we're humans. Yeah, and that's where we need Jesus to like. To, to give the push in the right direction because mm-hmm. we're going to have doubt, we're going to have faith, but he's the one who can make our faith stronger than our doubt and he can overcome. And so it's yeah. really cool. So I love that point. Um, for my third point, I think I'm going to go with... Let's go... Um, I have a lot of points. Which one should I do? Uh, Dan, pick a number. Two, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Okay, seven. I have to do seven last. Two, two, four, five, or six. Two. Okay, we'll do two. Uh, I I wanted to save that one for later. Give me four, five, or six. Four. Four. I want to save that one for later. Five or six. Six. Okay, I'll do five. Five. (laughs) Okay. So, this point is called... Jesus came for the broken and to do new things. He cares about your heart. He do. Okay, so this point, I have a lot of verses that are about that. Mm-hmm. So I have, in chapter 2, verse 17, I really like, you have the, you like that verse too? Yeah. That was my next point. Okay, here, I'll save that one for you. If you no, want. no, you got it. Or I can think about it. <laughs> but yeah, I love 217 because it says, um, when Jesus, so this is like after Jesus um, heals Matthew and everybody's like, Matthew sucks. And he's like, well, um, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So, like, it's like Jesus is just really placing this emphasis on this idea that he's not here for people that think they're all holy and perfect. But he's here for people Mm -hmm. who know they're not perfect and Mm -hmm. who know that they need him so much. And then that carries on into 22 of that chapter, which is also one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible um, where it says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the wine would burst the wineskins and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. And I think how that connects to this idea of, um, of Jesus not being here for the religious people is like the religious people at a certain point are just following God for tradition's sake. Um, and they're just doing it because this is what we've done before. This is what we've always done. But um, but Jesus's relationship with people and the way that he brings people from like this place of brokenness calls for a new thing in their lives. It calls for transformation. Mm-hmm. And even people that have walked with Jesus for a really long time were never meant to stay the same 
forever. Like there's like things that grow and change and like in different seasons, different things might bring you closer to Jesus. And like, you know, there was a time for all these religious traditions and all these things, like a lot of them were like appointed by God and were good in a season. But now that these religious leaders have started to like think of these like traditions as more important than like actually having that relationship with Jesus, like it's caused a lot of issues. And that kind of like also carries over to chapter um chapter seven verses six and seven um where he's saying to the pharisees these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me their worship is a farce for they teach man-made ideas as commands from god and then in chapter three verses 31 to 35 um he says or he's talking about his true family and he's talking about his true family so what's one thing i really liked about this is that as jesus was preaching here his family like he was preaching about demons he was preaching about all these things and then his family is like um concerned because he hasn't been eating he's like jesus you haven't been eating like just come eat with us like just share a meal you don't need to keep talking about all this crazy stuff and (laughs) and he's and he's and he's basically like like no like actually i do need to talk about all this crazy stuff because like this crazy stuff is like what actually really matters and it's the most important Mm. and um and and i feel like all see i I was trying to combine like three of my points into one point i don't know if they all connected as well as i thought they were going to but 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 anyways the the whole thing about that that i really like though is just that jesus is essentially saying like you know, it says, who is my brother? Who are my brothers? Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And, um, and yeah, that doesn't really connect to the new thing all that much. <laughs> but nice. I think I wrote down the wrong okay. But hey, it all, it's all good. Like It's still solid. It's all super good. It's so good. Um, yeah, like the, the whole idea is just the, the fact that like God, he wants us to always be open to like whatever new thing he has for us and in that specific situation jesus is really he's operating differently than his family would assume is the way that you should do things and and that's sometimes could happen in our walks with god too is maybe to follow god's call for our life you might have to break tradition you might have to do something that's against what your family or what um or what society might say makes sense but if you do it and you follow him, like, um, like that's who Jesus says is his family, is the people that are willing to do the things that maybe they don't make sense or maybe they're not, like, conventional. Um, but that's where you're going to see the fruit. So, yeah. But, yeah, I feel like I was, I was in, like, three different points there. But <laughs> nice. whatever. Jesus is good. He has a lot of points. So there you go. That's, that's a lot of... Just a blob from me. You kept talking about food. Back to you, my dude. <laughs> you talk about food and fruit so much. Yeah. That brings me to my point. Dan has a point. Um, transitions, <laughs> nice and smooth. Didn't even realize I did that. You attention go. to it. <laughs> so, they say that the theme of the Bible is eating food. Because mm. it's the thing that gets talked about most often. There's eating food in all of the different areas, and it's brought up in a lot of different varieties. And it's like a social lubricant, and it brings good conversational pieces. But in chapter 8, it says, In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, 
He called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days, and have nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. Which is super crazy. It's just like the commitment of it. It's like Jesus, he he respects them and he has compassion on them. But up until this point, he's like, I, I don't care. It's okay if you are hungry. Like, you have a choice. You can stay, you can go, you can do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to be here preaching. I, I feel like Jesus didn't eat for that time, too, because, like, they were hungry, so he's probably not going to, like, break off and eat some food. Mm-hmm. He's been preaching for three days. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a lot so, like, there's a lot, there's a lot packed in here. It's just, like, Jesus can preach for a long time, and he has a lot yeah. to say <laughs> and a lot to share about, which is crazy, and I don't even realize how, how much that is, because people talk for, like, four hours and be like, man... That was the longest sermon I ever did here. <laughs> Jesus is like, I'm just getting warmed up. But he preaches for a long time, and people are so intrigued to stick around and listen that they get really hungry. And it seems like they're probably really really nice about it and not being all yelly and stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I like that he has compassion on the people, but also that he's willing to not st- structure his meetings around food. Which I personally do. I like to structure things around food because it gets like good coverage. Like yeah. people when they're hungry or uptight and they don't want to talk too much. When you're eating food, you're like more more open to sharing stuff. That's how it is in America, for sure. It's yeah. true, but like you don't have to do that. And like back here in Mark, Jesus is basically laying out the fact that people will come listen to you talk for three days without any food and without any incentive, besides <laughs> just the fact that his food is the bread of life and his his words are are delicious to eat. Mm-hmm. So it's just like super crazy. Delicious words. Yeah, that everything Jesus says, people can just like chew on. Mm-hmm. And like a cow. When you're really invested in a, in a teaching <laughs> and loving the Lord, you're not even hungry and don't even realize it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I'm kind of hungry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Point number around. Uh, four. Well, I'll, I'll keep talking about the food, I guess. I'm going to go into chapter 7, verse 15. Um, Nothing on the outside makes you unclean. Uh, what comes out of you makes you unclean. Because I know that they were... Yes. Uh, let me go. I had a point, and then I lost my train of thought trying oh, to read that out. So. No problem. <laughs> Give me a second. Uh, Oh, they were just talking about because he was going through and like eating like a certain thing. Yeah. And they were like, well, why are you eating that? Like, you're not supposed to eat this at this time or this day. Um, so the things that you eat and the things that you go go into you, it's not like none of that goes to your heart is what he goes and continues on. Um, yeah. But like some of the words that you say, like that's from your heart. So those are the unclean thing, not what you're putting into your body to nourish your body. So, like, you're getting clean, clean and... Oh, my mind is off. Sorry. It's been a long day. Oh, no problem. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, yeah. It's just not what goes into you that's unclean. It's what comes out of you that's unclean. Yeah. So. That's so true. Yeah, that re- was a weird point. Sorry no, no, that. no. I, yeah. I had, like, a thing, and then I was like, ah, I lost yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel that. Honestly, like, I was looking at that verse, too. I think that went better with the point I was trying to make before. Like, no, yeah, you were talking about that, yeah. and then you took, like, my points. So I know. I, like, I got to come up with I know. It's like, we're, like, all over the place. It's, it's great. It's beautiful. It's, <laughs> We've lo- all worked and done I, I love how me and you put all these notes together, and we're just Yeah, we're confused. still like, ah. Uh, and then Dan's just like, oh, I just I have this ability. 
<laughs> it just comes over there on the spot. He's I just can't so do natural. That. Yeah, it's kind of go. Oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's reading through it right now. Yes, what a what a mug, what a man of God. Okay. Right. Um, I respect that you can do that though. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You can just be like, "Yep, I like this part. We're gonna talk about it for a minute." Yeah. I spend my whole life doing that. I can't <laughs> do that. I need to be prepared, but then and, I get mixed yeah, up. It's, it's a mental thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a middle of the road. I can have my spontaneous moments, but there's mm-hmm. also some things I, I like to plan ahead on. And the Bible is a yeah. good one to. I was planned ahead, and he's taking all my stuff. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Maybe we should have checked the overlap. I don't know. Yeah, yeah we should have. I don't overlap. Do my own thing. <laughs> Turn you over your well, own you don't things. have it. Okay. <laughs> well, you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to our good old friends feeding the five thousand for my next point, and this is one of my favorite points. Um, and it's actually a double point. I, I have lots of double, triple, quadruple points. You know, all my points. They're all mm-hmm. multi-layered and whatnot or whatever. But um, but this one's in mainly the points um, in chapter 6 and chapter 12. And so chapter 6 um, in verses 37 and 38, um, you have Jesus. And I just love how sassy Jesus is to his disciples because his disciples are literally like, Hey, uh, hey, uh, Jesus, like, you gotta, you gotta send these people away so they can eat something. And Jesus is just like, you feed them. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just like, you do it. And then, then they're like, what the heck? Like, we don't have enough money for these people. And then, but what I really like is in 38, then Jesus is just like, okay, but how much do you have? And go find out. And I think that, like, a lot of people, like, when like the lord is like telling them to help somebody in life or like there's somebody in need or somebody who's just like doesn't have what they like need in life and I mean, it's just saying it's the same point over again but like basically <laughs> yeah if they don't have what they need like sometimes like people can be like oh well like i would help them if i had xyz and like a lot of people they're so concerned about building up their wealth and getting to a place of like okay i feel rich now so now i can give and like Mm -hmm. in this specific situation like these guys are like what the heck like we barely have anything like we can't give anything but it's like but like then jesus is like well what what do you have and i think like that's so important to keep that mindset of like i'm not going to be so concerned with like getting a lot before I can give, but like I'm gonna give what I do have, and that brings me to chapter twelve, which is the other half of the point, which is a, one of my favorite stories in the Bible as well. Is we have the widow who gives her offering of two pennies, and uh, two penny offering, and this, super fire. And this was probably another one of Sydney's yeah, points. <laughs> you pick at all of the main parts of the book. I just yeah. love it so so much. <laughs> but but this point, I just here, Sydney. Do you want to talk about it? No, you got it. Okay, okay, okay. I'll probably like bring it up again. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do it again. More, so. Just throw some more in there. But <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like I love this because Jesus is just so and this this is like a more explicit version of what he does in chapter six. Because in chapter six it's not as obvious that he's making that idea of like like, hey, like what do you have? But like here it's very obvious where this lady literally has two pennies and she gives all she has and these other dudes are like we have, like, more than two pennies, but we'll just give, like, you know, a couple thousand dollars. It's no big deal. Like, we have a couple thousand more. And it's like, well, actually, if you have a couple thousand, you should give it all. But, like, no, you're just being all selfish. But this lady, she wasn't selfish. She had nothing, and she didn't cling to it, but she let it go. And that's, like, 
that's such a big part of the heart of following the Lord is like having that open-handedness with what we have in life where we're willing to let go of it at any moment for him and for others. And so I think, I think, I think that's kind of the difference between the chapter six and chapter 12 is in chapter six, it's more about others where it's like, you know, like give to these people who need food, whatever you have versus like in this specific situation, it's just give to the church. And I think that both of those things, we should be cognizant and willing to give even when we don't have an abundance because mm-hmm. we have to be willing to do it even before we're in like this safe place. Because if you're giving when you have a safety net, like it does it really mean anything. Like it's like it's true. It's really different. It's like you're not. There's no faith involved to give with the safety net. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like and you know you're like oh I have a backup plan so you can take this like you can take my extra. But, like, to give somebody something that actually means something to you, where you actually feel the loss and letting it go, like, that is so much more meaningful. And so it's really cool to see how Jesus, like, honors this woman who is willing to give everything she has for him. Um, so, yeah, I like that. It's a good it's a good point to give even when we don't have much. So there you go. That's my fourth point. Nice. Then what's your fifth point? Oh, I don't think you're ready. I don't know if I'm ready. Should I should I do a push up or something? Yeah. To prepare. Yeah. Oh, I hate push ups. Do it. Are you sure I should do it? Yep. <laughs> okay. For all of you people, um, all of you, I'm gonna do a push up. <laughs> all right. Prepare. I'm going to comment on Zach's push up. He's getting onto his knees slowly. He looks like he's gonna die. <laughs> his knees are a little buckly. His head hit the ground and his chest is nowhere near it. His chest got kind of closer that time. He just landed on the ground, ladies and gentlemen, and he is. Oh, he just got up. That's a full push up. He got all the way down and he got back up. I'm ready. With some push. I'm ready. Even collected a ground fuzz. Oh, I got some ground fuzz. All right, Dan. You ready for chapter eight? Tell me this point. Chapter eight B? Yes. I started with the beginning of chapter eight. Now I'm jumping into like right near the end of it. I really like this chapter. It's super good. What's even in here? You know, Hayley Grumman's eight. I like Mark eight. Okay, okay. Mark eight is that famous quote about. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Yes. But to preface it, he's talking about how uh, he he's always like, uh, "Who do you say that I am?" And Peter's like, "You're the Christ." And he's like, "Don't don't talk about that." <laughs> oh yeah. Which is super he interesting. Says, like, yeah, he's always like, Shh, "Don't tell anyone." Because if you knew about it, I'd get crucified <laughs> too soon. It's not time yet. And then he was just talking about how he is going to be uh, persecuted and suffer and be killed and, and then come back to life. And he, he said it super plainly. And then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bold. Like, what? Like, why would you do that? So this dude is rebuking Jesus. And then Jesus turning and seeing his disciples, he rebukes Peter. So Peter rebukes him, and he comes back, and he's like, nah, you're wrong. I'm Jesus. <laughs> and he says, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Which is crazy. That's It's interesting, wild. because I feel like that's calling out that it's like, it's not Peter that I'm rebuking, really. It's like mm-hmm. Satan talking through you, like your fear, your nervousness, and your confusion. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So he's like calling him out for the, his mind being in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So that goes into your entire life. And I even had a really good conversation with a teacher at school today about like how your mindset is super crucial for for marriage and for like life going forward. Mm-hmm. It's like where your mind is at, that's 
that's how everything plays out and that's what you believe and that's what comes into reality so then he goes on to call the crowd and he says the famous line if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it so it's just like hey if you are gonna actually live life and follow jesus and be open to being rebuked and having like the the darkness in you be called out so that the life of the lord can come and fill you and for your mind to be renewed and for you to know that you have the mind of christ like you need to physically die to yourself every day you're not living for yourself and it's not your own gain it's for the betterment of the body Mm-hmm. And it's just super bold because, like, Jesus is usually a, a meek, nice bro, but he's like mm-hmm. really aggressive when it comes to things that are about the really important stuff. And it gets done in brass tacks. Like, he's gonna die and come back, and there's gonna be nasty stuff happening to his body. But that's like the whole point. Like, that's what he showed up for. And then Peter's like, no, 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 not that part. He's like, that's why I came. Oh. Yeah. So I feel like that whole interaction is just like even a friend attacking the purpose of your destiny when it's a holy purpose it's like hey you're not being you i'm going to call out the fact that you're better than this and that this you don't understand this yet but you're going to understand yeah so i just think it's cool that jesus is bold and he's willing to confront people and just be straight up about like this is what i'm here for these are my goals and this is what's happening yeah and i i see the whole picture and you don't see it yet but i told you it's going to happen so just trust me true that is an important part yeah, and throughout it, too, it talks about, like, he, he predicts his death, like, over and over again. And they're like, I'm confused. What's what? going on? I know. And he's like, why don't you understand? <laughs> but the thing is, we would be just as confused. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, bro, right. you're going to die? I don't want you to die. No. Are you crazy? And then come back, too. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get the death part. Everyone dies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll go back to yeah, the yeah. widow's story, too. No problem. It's a you good just story. talked about it. So yeah, I hit feel it like some I more. Just go right into that one. Do it. Um, this is actually my favorite story from Mark. That's why I was like, oh, it's now. your favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, this one's all you. Take uh, it. Well, I'm again. I'm short and sweet, so I get to the point here. Um, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I know you're, you're going on about it. It's okay. <laughs> um, I just love that Jesus pulled his disciples aside and was like, that even though she gave less than like a penny's worth. She gave more than all the people that were giving those thousands yeah. over here because they had mm. in my in this one. That's when I brought this other one. It says that they they gave what they had to spare while she gave everything that she had to live on. And I love that, yeah. just like giving your all to Jesus and to God, and just like like mm. all right, here I am. Here's everything that I have. Take it. Mm-hmm. Like do with me what you will. So. I love that. That's what they're going to do with that. Like, I just highlight, like, the all she had. I love that. Yeah. I pray about that a lot. And, like, make sure, like, can I give myself, can I give my all and, like, take everything from me so that I can be, like, a better person. Yeah. Wow. Um, so. That's good. That's good. That's all. That's true. <laughs> I want to, like, I really want to, like, guard myself against safety nets. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it's so easy in life to just, like, want to, like, save up, like, and it's not necessarily always bad to save up if you're saving up for something for God. But, like, if you're just, like, hoarding money. Yeah, just, like, stockpiling it. Yeah, it gets to a point where it's, like, you really have to just, you know, examine yourself and be willing to let go of things. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things my dad always says is, like, money comes and goes. Like, the most important thing is, like, that you love and that you're... Yeah. Like really open with people right so i love like that like she didn't need all this money even though it was what she had to live on she's like 
take it away like I'm yours. Wow. So, oh, so good. Using it as a resource, not as an item. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I had struggled with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough. I feel like just like this day and age, everybody kind of struggles with that. Like yeah. you're working to like get money, but yeah, it's yeah. like I worked for this man. I'm yeah. just gonna give it away. Yeah, but that is what that is what we're made to do mm-hmm. to give to be servants. Which is my next point. <laughs> Transition, <laughs> boom, baby. Let's go. Nine thirty-five. It says that Jesus he sat down. And he called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And um, and I think actually, like if you actually look at the four gospels, um, like all of the different gospel writers try to paint, the, like this is something I learned at Bible college, is like each gospel tries to paint Jesus in a different way. So like I think John tries to show Jesus as God. And, like, Matthew, I think, is trying to show Jesus is king, or, or maybe that's Luke. I don't know. I think, no, I think I think Luke is trying to show he's a healer, and, like, Matthew's trying to show he's a king. But, like, the main thing that Mark's, like, gospel is focused on is trying to show Jesus as a servant. And so, like, I think 935, like, really kind of captures the entire, like, idea of the book of Mark in one verse is just this idea that, you know, whoever wants to be first must take last and be a servant. And and Jesus talks about being a servant a bunch in the book. But I just like how, um, like, I think there's another verse somewhere. I don't remember where it is. But, like, something about, like, being a servant leader, too. Like, if you want to be a leader, you have to be willing to serve everybody else. And, um, yeah, here it is. It's, it's 10, 43 to 45. But it says, among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And and I think that's just so powerful because it it gives us this idea of how it's so upside down, right? Like people talk about the upside down kingdom of God and how like, you know, in a worldly point of view, to be a leader is like to have power, to have authority, to like have a really powerful voice where it's like people hear your voice and they they're scared and they tremble but like yeah leader (laughs) but like to be a leader in the kingdom of god is to be the person who's on like their hands and knees like you know we see in other gospels jesus wipes the disciples feet like he's doing these things that are very like um selfless and that bring him lowly and and we see that that's really a huge part of Jesus' heart and character is to elevate the things the world sees lowly and to um, to humble the things that the world like puts on a pedestal. And so I really love just that emphasis. And it's something so encouraging in life to, to know that, um, that when we do humble ourselves and we do serve, that... You know, it also says that in somewhere or another that, um, or in 1031, it says, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then in terms of like the kingdom of God. So like when the kingdom comes, like the people that have been serving and have been lowly here, like will receive a reward in heaven. And then the Mm -hmm. people that have been like prideful here and thought like, oh, I'm the best look at me now like in heaven like they'll probably be washing your feet or something i don't know but like Mm. you know so it's just like it's so funny how jesus is like 
he turns things upside down and makes it so different and um and it's just exciting to see how much he places this value on being a servant and i love it it just makes me want to serve and ah it's good but yeah that's my number five damn what do you got number six Ooh, I love the servant point a lot. I think that's super important because mm-hmm. it's beautiful that Jesus would be humble and come down from heaven where everything's perfect to lowly earth where we're all imperfect as a servant, as a choice, because he didn't have to. Sure and I'm do. sure it kind of sucks not being in heaven. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> as I hear from all the people who write books about saying that they've been to heaven and come back and they're like, man, I didn't want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are. He's like, you are not done yet, and they're like, no, 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 I'm done. <laughs> so I was like, no, you are not, and they're like, oh, okay, and then they're just ticked off. <laughs> I think they'd be like, oh, da, da, da. it's like, no, they've seen the goodness, and like, they know they're stuck here for now. They're like, ah. <laughs> come on, God. Oh man. I think uh, Mark nine twenty four is super cool. Okay. It's the part where it's talking about. The dude who's got that kid. Oh, this guy's, this guy's deep. Yeah. Da, da, da. You know, it's a story about the guy who comes up and he's like, my kid's dying. Oh, wait, that's not that's not that one. Oh, is it? The, wait, you said 924? Yeah. Oh, wait, never mind. Oh, I thought you said 1024. Okay, yeah, never mind. You're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, yeah, so so it's the kid yeah, who... Yeah. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. So, I always thought it was that story about, like, the guy who had the kid at home and then everyone wailing up front. But this is different. So there were, like, spirits that were attacking this kid, and they were throwing him down with fits and rage, and uh, he had... Oh, yeah, he wanted the disciples to cast him out, but they weren't able to. So then Jesus came and cast them out. And it's the whole point of like, why weren't we able to, Lord? And he's like, some things can only come out through through prayer and and power with the Lord. And fasting. Fasting and prayer. It says fasting, but some translations cut out fasting because they're they're weak and they don't want to not eat. But it's true. This is my favorite part. I I was trying to remember like I was like, I know this part really well. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's something that was really huge in my life. I needed prayer and fasting for something to come out of my life because right. it wouldn't come out. And then when that came in, it came out immediately yeah. without fighting back, which was crazy. Right. So I I love that you can take this this part of scripture where this dude has his kid and he's like freaking out because he's like since birth he's had all these things wrong with his kid and his kid's yeah. just like mm-hmm. not good at all and he's filled with demons. And then he's like, uh, disciples of Jesus, cast the demons out. And they're like, sure, it's not working. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to the master. And they're like, uh, okay, but we couldn't do it. And he gave us the power that he had. And he's like, boom. And they're like, what? And he's like, fasting, bro. <laughs> Prayer and fasting. Yes. But then you get to verse 24, and it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So I think that's just such a beautiful place. It's like... His heart is crying out that he believes. Well, actually, I feel like it's his mind. In his mind, he's seen that Jesus can do it, and he's like, "Yeah, I see that you could do this." But he wants his heart to come into alignment with his mind because he wants to be a believer. But yeah. it's really hard for him for some reason. Even after he's yeah. seen this miracle perform, 
And he's just honest about it. He's like, man, I, I see this and I believe, but there's part of me that still doesn't believe even though I've seen a miracle being done, yeah. which is crazy because they're always talking about like, for those of you who've seen miracles, it's really easy to believe because it's like, yo, you saw it happen. There's no doubt. It just mm-hmm. happened. But for people who haven't seen it, it's more powerful for them to believe. And like when we worship the Father without being in heaven and actually seeing him, like it's really cool because it's a choice. But once you get to heaven and you see him, it's no longer a choice. We just worship out of, like, you see him and that's what happens. That's just automatic. So I like that the dude knows where he's at in life and he knows that he needs his unbelief helped out and he's looking at Jesus and he says, I see you. I can touch you. This miracle happened. In my mind, I believe, but I still really don't believe. Can you help me? Yeah. Which is, like, crazy. I just be like, no, dude, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. He's really honest, though. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that's a super cool little, little tidbit from Mike. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. Sydney, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to jump ahead to chapter 14. We're um, going to... What? Wait, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's going on here? All okay. right. <laughs> Sorry, you threw me off. Oh, no problem. Uh, chapter 14. Um... Oh, the lady who poured the perfume, she broke like this really expensive perfume and anointed Jesus' feet. And then like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were like around him started rebuking her and yelling at her and like, why are you, why did you break this perfume? Like you could have used it for something else. Like that's, I think they said like a year's worth, yeah, a year's wages and the money could have been given to the poor. Like she could have sold that, but instead... She broke it and anointed Jesus. And then Jesus yells at them and is like, leave her alone. Like, what are you doing? She did this super nice thing for me. And it, like he goes on to say, like, to tell you, I tell the truth. Whoever, wait, that was, I jumped too far on there. Um, why do you bother her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor will always have, always have with you and you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me. So like she, and then he goes on a little bit later to say that she's essentially getting his body ready for the crucifixion and the burial. Mm-hmm. So with doing um, the perfume and anointing him in that way. So he's like, hey, like I'm not always going to be here, but you're always going to have poor people to help. Yeah. So she helped me and helped, is helping me get ready. Right. And then it says that um, in verse nine, that's where I jumped a little bit. Um, I tell you the truth, whoever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And then, like, here it is. Like, here's her memory. She did it. She's in the Bible. Everybody's going to remember her. For, yeah. Like, and I just love Forever. that. Yeah. So, just jumped ahead to that a little bit. Yeah. It's super cool how she's, like, willing to, like, give everything. Like, kind of, like, it's almost similar yeah, to, like, like the, the woman, widow. the widow, mm-hmm. except, like, yeah, like, this is specifically, like, and then this is different, too, because, like, in that specific situation, like, she ha- only had two pennies and she gave it all, which mm-hmm. was crazy. But this is, like, something, like, you know, like, you could even, like, argue, like, oh, you, she could have used that for something else. Like, right. that, like what these people are saying, like, they're saying, like, oh, you could have gave it to the poor. But, like, you know, even, like, things that seem good in a human way, like, it's better to give everything to God, like... And yeah, like he knows what's going on. Yeah, so why would he try exactly. to go against that for like right. a man? And that's what Mark talks about too in a couple other times. It's like, why are you trying to do what man wants you to do? Like, listen what to the gospel. Listen to what God wants you to do. I hiccuped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, why are you trying to do this when you should be doing what God wants you to do? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it's so powerful. And 
I love it. I love it so much. This woman, this woman, what a woman, what a log. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Woman of God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love me a good walk. Nice. There's some good mogs out there. A lot of mogs and wogs in scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. My sixth point. I'm gonna talk about intimacy. Ooh. I love intimacy with the Lord. <laughs> and so, um, so this is like a couple different verses that I'm pulling from, but I'm gonna mainly land in chapter 14 at the end, but. Um, but chapter 135, it says, this is the first time in scripture that we see Jesus um, got up and went to an isolated place to pray, right? And this mm-hmm. is like a theme we see through the process is that Jesus really likes to um, be able to encounter the Lord in the secret place. And then we also see in chapter 6, verses 45 and 46, that... Um, 45 there's not even wait oh wait 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 wait. oh i found it okay it says this is immediately after he fed the five thousand, and it says immediately after this jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and head across the lake to bethsaida while he sent the people home um after telling everyone goodbye he went up to the hills by himself to pray and so like you see that jesus like he's setting like this boundary on his preaching time he's like okay i preached i preached now he's like okay guys send everybody home and we gotta go we got to take the boat to the other side so I can go pray by myself. And like, and I think that's like a super important, um, that's a super important aspect of our walks with the Lord is knowing when it's time to say goodbye to people and to say, I'm going to set aside this time for me and the Lord. And you see Jesus do that here. Like, you know, he taught these people, he fed them. He spent a lot of time with these people, but eventually he knew when it was the time to say, okay, I need to go spend time with, um, with the father. And then, Speaking of the Father, then we have in chapter 14 in the garden when he's praying to the Father. And specifically what I like about that is that he says, everything is possible for you, which is something he'll say a lot in this book of Mark. He's always saying everything is possible with God. Um, But then at the end of everything is possible, he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And I think that's like such an important thing to realize too in our walks with the lord and that jesus is so aware of here is that um just because god can do everything for us doesn't mean he will because his will and his ways are better and higher than our ways and another connection i really love there is in john's gospel he talks about how or jesus talks about how he only does as he sees the father doing and Mm -hmm. and that's like one of my favorite ideas in scripture because you know, people can get really confused when they think about, okay, everything's possible with God. Jesus can heal us. He has compassion for us. He has all these like positive things, but then like still like so many bad things happen. So many things happen that don't make sense that we can't justify that we can't um, explain. And, um, and I think really it all boils down to this prayer in Gethsemane where Jesus says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And, and, and it's confusing sometimes. Sometimes you're like, why why was God's will for this to happen? It wasn't like as like healing and happy as like a lot of this stuff seems. But sometimes God is using those like trials um, for something greater than we realize. And, you, you know, he used Jesus' death to save the entire world. Um, but, um, and, but at the time, like, you know, obviously like it's going to be painful to go through that process. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we might have to go through this process of painful suffering for the sake of the kingdom. 
Um, but Jesus walked so closely with the Father in prayer that he could tell when something had to be done and when he could do something different too, which I think is also cool. Is He could tell when this is the time this person should be healed. This is the time where they're going to have to endure suffering a little bit more. And I think that as we learn to walk with God closer, he can show us like when are the times that we have to face the fire and when are the times that he can rescue us from it. And and there's value in both. And like suffering for the kingdom is a blessing that a lot of people don't want to see as a blessing because they just want to be a peaceful and have a nice, easy life. But I don't want to suffer. But like, you know, patience is a fruit of the spirit and patience is translated as long suffering in a lot of Bibles. Because we're supposed to suffer. It's a good thing. When you suffer for the Lord, you can just be like, feel alive. <laughs> so there you go. That's that's kind of my point is just get alone with the Lord. Prioritize that time alone with him. And if he leads you into suffering, you'll love it because you've had good time with him. But you know it's for the good. Mm. So there you go. Priorities are important. Yeah. All right, Dan, this is it. Number yeah. seven, hit Number us. Seven. Hit I, I was going to just, like, send it into, like, death hit or resurrection. But then I remembered the best part of Mark. I think I know what you're about to talk about. I, I, I specifically left this off my list because I thought you were going to talk about it. And it is iconic. If, if it's not what you actually say, I'm going to laugh. But I think I know what you're about to say. It's so iconic. <laughs> we, we had a Mark Bible study. Yes. And we left our mark on a lot of things. Yes. But the thing from Mark that left the biggest mark on us. On Dan. Oh, wait. Us. Oh, wait. Oh, you're, you're going to talk about that. <laughs> okay, that's not where I thought you were going. But but I did I did, I did see that as I was reading. But yes, tell us tell us about this it, part. This, this part's good. I know you're going to mention this part. And you left this other part off the list, and you should tell me after this so I can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll also mention that so you can talk about it. Okay. Because I know you, you're really passionate about this other thing. I am. Mark 14... 52, man. Yeah, I know it. I know it. <laughs> oh, man. So, including verse 51. Yeah. And a young man followed him. Who's him, you might ask? I'm also asking. I don't think anybody knows. Oh, followed Jesus. Yeah, I thought it was Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a young man followed Jesus with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Yes, this is such an unnecessary detail. But Mark is just yeah. like, I'm gonna write about this naked guy. Because one verse, one verse later, they say, and they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together, and blah blah blah. It never gets mentioned on. again. Moving on, it's complete shift. It's so random. Complete 180. 51 verses deep into a chapter on death and resurrection. It's like not a part of the theme at all. I think it's hilarious that they chuck this in here. Yeah, and it it sent our entire Bible study off track for a whole night. Yeah, we were just talking <laughs> was like, about, who's the guy? You're like, why is this? Yeah, who's the young there? man that followed him oh, with just a linen cloth? <laughs> yeah, and someone just like tried to grab him, and they only got the cloth, and he ran. Yeah, it's like, ha! Yeah. I grabbed this cloth just for you. You can't it's catch so me. So weird, and yeah, definitely did take our whole Bible study off the rails that night. But yeah, so that, <laughs> but, that, 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 that's the point. But yeah, Mark, Mark, I don't understand why did you include this. Naked man, <laughs> the, the, when Jesus is getting arrested, it's such a strange tonal shift. But there you go, Mark, you done it. <laughs> but he has a sense of humor. That's what we can tell. 
from this yeah, verse. he's pretty sassy. I like, like all like the little comments that he'll say. Yeah. Like his like comes back to whoever. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's like, a fun guy. <laughs> but what's uh what's the one I should have mentioned that was on your list? It's chapter fifteen with Barabbas. I know yes. What verse is it? Who loves Barabbas? Just fifteen one to fifteen is the whole Barabbas story, but yeah. But I feel like you are a man. I always think of Dan. He loves Barabbas. That's what I thought when I was reading. That. I yeah, was verse seven, man. Yeah, seven is a good number. Yeah. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Barabbas. <laughs> there you go, verse seven. There he is. So I I always rant on this. I think it's a really cool thing. So every year, right around Easter time. Mm-hmm. Where you've had you have this story right here. It's the Easter story. Jesus gets on the cross, three days dies, comes back. But he gets on the cross, and before he gets on the cross, there's this other guy, and they had two options. They're like, "Who can we crucify?" Pilate's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna give Jesus like a great chance." He's <laughs> like, "I really don't want Jesus to get crucified because my lady's not about it. She had a dream, and I'm just kind of yeah, like, man." That's like. Else, I know but yeah. it's not included in Mark, but he's like, okay, I'm not about this. Yeah, but the people want it, so I have to give them the choice. Mm-hmm. I'll give them the choice between this innocent man Jesus, who I don't really want to kill, and this murderer who they should obviously not release. Yeah, he's like, you get to pick one person to release. Who is it? And they all say, give us Barabbas. And then he's like, what? He says, like, he's like, why? What crime did he commit? Like, what is he doing? Yeah, What's the he's, reason? he's yeah. like, you. What did he do? Yeah. What did this other man do with Barabbas, the murderer you don't want to be released? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I just, there's this video on YouTube, and it's mm-hmm. of some snippet of some dude preaching yeah. on Barabbas. And they've got, like, the cool words that pop up on the screen with the music in the background. And it hits really hard, and it's like, Barabbas! Barabbas is you! Yeah. He died for you <laughs> to be set free. So pick up your cross and run in freedom because Barabbas is here for you. Yes. And it always makes me cry super hard. It sounds powerful. And also, for you people listening, there's, there's a, a bug. <laughs> Is he Barabbas? <laughs> For you! <laughs> Dan is disposing of the bug. He set the bug free like Barabbas. <laughs> it's flowing in the coop. <laughs> yeah, it's really powerful how Barabbas is like this picture of, you know, we are the ones who are guilty. We are the ones who are sinful. We are the ones that deserve to die. But Jesus let us be set free and he died in our place. And so it's just a really good picture. And Barabbas is you. He's you. He's me. He's us. He's us all. <laughs> what a guy. Thanks, Barabbas. I wonder what happened to him after he got set free. Do you think he came back around? Probably. He must have been like, he must have been amazed. He must have been like, wow, this guy was so nice to me. He let me go free. But, yeah. Anyways, Sydney, what's your last point? Oh, I was like going through my notes, like, what do I want to end on? Oh, you can like, uh, throw in a couple if you want. No, you you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll go to chapter 12, um, where he's talking about, uh, I think it's, 
Oh, like what the two most important. Oh, that's a good. Um, that's a good. Of the Ten Commandments. Spot to end. Mm-hmm. That's what I was like. I was like looking through that while you guys are talking. Jen. Yes. How <laughs> do we think not end get on this to this one. point? <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, nobody brought this up yet. So, um, he says that the two most important commandments are love God with all of your being and love your neighbor as yourself. Like those are the first two that you should really like get into and then the other stuff like those are more important than the what does it say uh not at the right spot um but they're more important than like the burning and all those offerings that they give yeah Um, so I don't know where I was going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I had his spot, but I don't know. I'm all over the place today, so. Yeah. But yeah, I just like that those are, like, he points out, like, you know, just love God and then love, like, the people around you, love your neighbor um, as yourself, so that, like, I don't know, I think that goes back to, like, the stuff that my dad always says, is, like, mm-hmm. to give love to everybody around you. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that even Jesus is like, hey, these are the most important, like, love God and love, love everybody around you, like, give your love yeah. out to like, the people. Everything fits into those, yeah, love yeah. God, love people. Yeah, damn, that used to be, like, your catchphrase, mm-hmm. like, God, love people. Back <laughs> it's also on uh, Ellie's tote bag. Oh, wow, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it says, love God, love people. Period. You probably you probably <laughs> saw that tote bag and you were like, I gotta marry this woman. She has the same catchphrase. Right. <laughs> like, ah, there you go. That's it. Catchphrase made match made in heaven. I know, right? It's literally made in heaven. Like it's from heaven. It's from Jesus. So there you go. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Love God, love people, and also I'm the love your neighbor as yourself thing. I probably talked about this at some point before, but mm-hmm. I think that's also important because it talks about as yourself. So. You do have to learn to love yourself, to love others well. That's also important. And that's how you, and the way you do that is by spending time with Jesus, like I talked about in my last point. Like, just spend mm-hmm. time with Jesus. He'll show you who you are. And then once you're filled up by him, then you can pour out into others. So, yeah. Love God. Love people. Do it. <laughs> All right. My final point is usually what I say at the beginning. I usually talk about the Bible Project breakdown at the beginning, but I forgot to do that. So I'm just going to do it now. <laughs> so the Bible Project... Um, talks about how Mark is a gospel that emphasizes Jesus as a servant and a Messiah. Chapters 1 to 8a are all about who is Jesus. They expose like who he is. Um, chapters 8b to 10 are about what does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah. And then chapters 11 to 16 are how Jesus becomes king, the servant king who gets crucified. Um, but the final point I really wanted to touch on is like the end of Mark, because this is like a controversial shenanigans because the end of Mark in chapter 16, um, actually the original ending of Mark ends really abruptly and it just ends with the women going to the tomb and the angel is like, yo guys, Jesus is in here, go find him in Galilee. And then they leave and that's it. And they never actually find him. And like in... Um, and all the other gospels like Matthew, Luke, and John, there's like appearances of Jesus, like resurrected, like, you know, hanging out with Thomas and him doubting and all that stuff. And like all these other like things that happen in all the other gospels where Jesus like actually physically appears. And it's interesting because like it's theorized that like these longer endings of Mark were kind of just like added on because like people got like really insecure about the idea of like, oh, well, then Jesus doesn't actually show up at the end. Then we got to add some part where he shows up. And so like the longer ending of Mark, most people think it's like 
written later and it was just like taken from parts of Matthew and Luke and John like they just kind of took different parts of all their endings and just kind of threw them on Mark's ending but the Bible project talks about how um how Mark probably actually ended it intentionally without Jesus like showing up in person because like a lot of the time Jesus talks about how you know it's wicked to demand signs and it's wicked to demand wonders and it's wicked to demand like this evidence um to need to believe and so like you know the angel says that jesus is back alive and like the reader kind of has to come to this point of like am i going to believe it even if i don't read about him actually walking again and like talking to people again and it's it's kind of cool how it was written that way and and mark a lot of people think was like the first gospel written too so like the first gospel written like just ends it with like this question where it's like okay the angel said that he's back and that he's coming back but um but without like the actual appearance and i think that's really cool and like one thing that i think i i i really like mark better without the long added endings um because i think that they they just try too hard to just to 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 make things like extravagant and crazy like in um in 16 verses 15 to 18 like or specifically like 17 to 18 you get these verses that have become like really controversial within like the churches too where it says like um these miraculous signs will accompany anyone who believes they'll cast out demons and speak in tongues and they will be able to handle snakes with safety and drink poison and it won't hurt them and like and all these crazy things i'm like you it's know it's true and those kind of like chuck that in there yeah like, oh, hey. and like and like the whole like drink poison and not hurt them is not anywhere else in scripture but like i've gone to like crazy africa churches like back when i was in africa and like there's some african pastors who like take that verse is like the most like amazing thing where it's like we can all drink poison and live because we have jesus and it's like that's not the point like and i think mm. like i think whoever added these longer endings like tried to make the miraculous signs more of the point than they actually are when the real point is love people and be a servant like those are the two main i think ideas of mark it's true like, love people as like sydney was just talking about in the greatest commandments and then be a servant as jesus talks about and demonstrates through his life the entire time and you know like you know just being able to drink poison and not being hurt like that's a lot more of this prideful idea of like you know like and handle snakes safely like i like it has like the idea of like being strong and like just doing it for yourself versus i think like the way that mark originally ended the book with out like all this added stuff on the ending like it leaves it more open it leaves it more to where you have to have faith you have to believe and you leave with this perspective of jesus is he's back and you can Mm. you can be excited about that um but that it's not about like it's not about the signs and wonders but it's about just who he is and his character and his love so yeah so that's just interesting like how it ends with the 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 weird like extra ending and all that stuff but yeah so that's mark I agree with that ending part there, though. Yeah. I was just reading the ending and thinking of, like, a movie finishing like that. Yeah. I was like, this is epic. And they just go with, (laughs) you seek Jesus. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. 
And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Bum, bum, yeah, bum. and that's where it originally yeah, like, ends. Cool. It's just like, dun, 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 dun. End credits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sets you up for a sequel. It's like, yeah. and Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's alive. Like, it ends with he's alive. And they're alive. terrified, and they're like, what? That's yeah. the end. Oof. As opposed to, like, when they add the extra stuff, it's like, they feel like, oh, we have to, like... We have to, like, wrap it up, like, just end the story here. But it's, like, the story doesn't end here. And I think that's, like, kind of what Mark is trying to communicate, too, is, like, mm-hmm. the story doesn't end here. Jesus is just risen. Now, like, find him in real life. Like, yeah. you know, like, start living the story as opposed to, like, yeah, the longer ending feels like it's just trying to, like, you know, add some stuff and, like, give you all fancy. But it's, like, no, just, like, end it with, like, surprise, wonder. Mm-hmm. Be done. Like, yeah, they took 11 verses to be like, and Jesus came to them the other day and yeah. showed them a bunch of miracles and went to heaven. Yeah, like it, it goes against the whole idea of Mark. Mark's like the condensed, like keep it short guy. Like Matthew and Luke, they can go on about all that extra stuff Jesus did after he rose again. But like Mark, he's just like... And he rose. He rose. And they were scared. You better believe me. I'm not going to tell you what he did after that, but <laughs> just believe it. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> It's Mark. He's a yeah. good guy. I, I do Mark. like that it's like the shortest week too. It just like it gets to the point. Yeah. So. He's like, he rose from the dead. Angel said he's back. Believe the angel. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love it. What a mog. What a man of God. He do be like that. We love you, Mark. We love you. And Sydney might name her kid after you someday. Oh yeah. You like the name yeah. Mark? I do. Yeah. Yes. Good. It was in the baby boy bracket. But mm-hmm. so, someone said they thought it sounded like an old man name. But <laughs> it does kind of sound like, but a, like I a defended it. Man. <laughs> I voted for Mark, but nobody else did. <laughs> so no, Mark is a kid. Huh? I think, think of Mark, Mark as a high kid? schooler because there's this mm-hmm. high schooler named Mark, and I'm like, yeah. True. I had a Mark's little kid in my class. I work in like a toddler classroom. Nice. There's a little kid named Mark, and I was like, yeah, I feel like it's a good name. kid name, and I and I know my friend Mark Manchester. He's yeah. just like an inspiration in my life. Mm-hmm. I would like Mark is probably in my top eleven baby names. I would name a kid, <laughs> probably right under Enigma and ten other ones or nine other ones. So there you go. Choices are made. <laughs> Choices. Mark's a good name. It's a man, Mark. A manly man. Hey, Mark. Mark. There you go. That's that's it. We did it. We talked about seven things each from Mark. I feel like we covered most of the chapters. I, we didn't really talk that much about the whole resurrection stuff and like the, the crucifixion. All of Holy Week, I feel like, is one of those things that, like, I, I like it's one of the most talked about parts of scripture because, like, you hear it every year at Easter time. So mm-hmm. I feel like there aren't as many parts of that that, like, jump out to me as much as, like, the individual stories that, like, really you don't hear me. as much. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And you different. forget about those stories <laughs> and how cool they are. So, so like, my ultimate highlights are those. And, and obviously, like, the crucifixion is in all four gospels, too. So, like, you'll get a little different stuff from Mark, a little flavor. In the other things and you know there is some some crucifixion stuff that's unique too I, I, and yeah and like what i said earlier like some of the stuff he'll like shelter peter too like he'll be like yeah like you because like one of the things is like when peter cuts that guy's ear off or whatever that's like trying to like kidnap or take jesus like yeah like in mark it says somebody cut off jesus's ear he doesn't say who it was <laughs> but then the other one is like yeah it was peter <laughs> but <laughs> yeah it's true i was thinking of that one that's when people preach on it like and some dude cut his ear off yeah i wonder who <laughs> probably wasn't my friend peter but who knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
So I think it's, I think it's just funny. Mark's a funny guy. But, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the book of Mark. It is our first gospel and scripture summaries and our last one of the season. Damn, how do you feel? I feel really summarized. Yeah, we summarized a lot of books. We summarized Daniel and Zechariah and Job and Ezra and Ephesians and 1 Corinthians and Exodus and Obadiah and Jude and Mark. So there we go. Ten (laughs) whole books summarized in probably about like 20-ish hours for any of you people at home who for the next, until we do season five, just you're too lazy to read the Bible, but you have headphones. Like, listen along just check it out listen. we sound better than the random bible readers in the bible app. yeah we probably do <laughs> and we have had like so many amazing guest stars from uh we had we had zachary cop we had mm-hmm. will hubert we had uh who was on the next one it was uh we had michael emke and his cat we had uh we had caleb dorothy we had austin Crecula. We had Katie Fote, and now we have Sydney. So many amazing guests who have helped us talk about the Bible and summarize it for you, amazing fans and friends, fiery friends. So, Sydney, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to shout out to the people uh, <laughs> in life? No. No real no. shout outs? Not really. No. No, are you are you getting married soon? No, I'm not. Okay, well, you know, if you were, I would recommend this guy named Dan. Who he likes to DJ weddings. Oh, there we go. And he has his phone number that it's 262 271 2600. What is it? It's 262 271 2600. And if you have a wedding coming up, you could like call that number. And he might DJ your wedding. He might even give you the friends and family discount. It's true. If you mention Fiery Friends. If you mention Fiery <laughs> Friends, you'll get a Fiery Friendly discount. It'll be Fiery for Friendly. For your wedding. So All you gotta so do is when call. When you get married. You just call 262. <laughs> just call. What was that again? 262. 271. 2600. That's 262. 271. 2600. Just call it. Right? <laughs> Sydney, are you going to call it? Uh, maybe when I get married. There you go. All right. (laughs) To be to be determined. I bet it's gonna happen. You know who else is getting married this weekend? Not me. (laughs) Dan. (laughs) Dan. Dan. How do you feel? You're getting married real quick here. Feel super psyched. I'm really ready to be married and be done planning a wedding. Yeah, (laughs) planning is not your specialty. You proved it on this podcast. You're more spontaneous. Yeah. (laughs) And you do it well. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Planning stuff makes me, like, feel crazy. True. It's weird. That's how we make these episodes happen, is I do the planning and you show up. Then I don't feel crazy. (laughs) It just works perfectly. It's great. (laughs) It's so good. So good. I love to not let you feel crazy, my friend. Thank you. It's good. It's good. But yes, so you're getting married on Sunday, and on Saturday, we're doing the season finale, me and you, at your mom's basement, drinking orange juice. Yes, one last sir. time, doing one more podcast. It's going to be a Q&A where Dan's going to give his final thoughts on being not married one last time. And I'm going to talk about how I'm doing something else, which I posted on social media today. But if you haven't heard about it yet, you'll hear about it more on Saturday because I'm also doing new things in life. So there you go. There you go. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all that stuff on Saturday on the season finale, Fiery Friends season four. Four. It's been fun, Dan. It's been real. 
But until next time, keep the fire burning.